I don't know why people expect art to make sense. They accept the fact that life doesn't make sense. We're talking movies. We're talking Blue Velvet, starring Kyle MacLachlan, Isabella Rossellini, Dennis Hopper, and Laura Dern. Written and directed by David Lynch. Heineken. Fuck that shit. Pass Blue Ribbon. <laughs> I, man, from all those references between the different beers, I, I thought this was some product placement or something like that. Uh, anyways, I can't figure out if you're a detective or a pervert. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? Tonight, we're going to be talking about the cult classic by the cult classic director, David Lynch's Blue Velvet from 1986. Uh, I mean, before I kick it over to Scott, I mean, just the quotes that we threw down and the ones that you can actually find in this movie are so bizarre themselves. I think it really lends the or gives you kind of an idea of like what kind of film you're stepping into. And if you don't know David Lynch, um, the reality is, is like, I, I, I don't think he does anything that's not surreal, but anyway, we'll throw it over to Scott and we'll start it off uh, there. All right, Scott, what do you got? Chris, I have questions <laughs> now, not the type of questions like, like how, how are BTS... babies are made or something like that. <laughs> no, no. Like, you know, how can BTS sing in, in perfect English? But when they do interviews, everything's broken English. <laughs> like not those kind of questions. I kind of like mind boggle, but it's more like kind of kind of what you're you're going on in your little intro there. Like, why is every David Lynch movie I see just kind of leaves you like you're off kilter? Like you're you're just feeling like it's just an uneasy feeling after. So before before you go on that, I just first okay. Uh, how how much David Lynch have you watched? So you've watched this. I'm assuming you watched Blue Velvet. Yeah, yeah, I watched this. Uh, I'll be honest, this was the first time I've ever watched this movie. But out of his films specifically, I, like I've watched Eraserhead, okay, um, Elephant Man. Uh, I love Twin Peaks, like the TV show, like that. I enjoy a lot. Um, what is shit? What was the Mulholland? Mulholland, Mulholland Drive. Drive. Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Yeah, those are the ones that and, I've seen. And I would say that library. the Elephant Man from the on the film side is the most like normal, and even it's funky and fucking weird. But it's the most like straight film. Like, yep, it's got a story, it's got a narrative structure, um, and it's you know it's 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 fine. It's like a totally oh, story. I forgot. Arc I forgot Dune. I forgot Dune. I apologize. <laughs> I guess Dune, Dune would fall into that too. Uh, Dune's a fucked but, up book anyway, so I guess I give David but, Lynch a little bit of slack on that sucker. Yeah, but even still, like with Dune himself, like which I would be interested to see if the remake that they're making does it is where he he took the inner narration of the of the like of the characters and put those in the film. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, you yeah. just have people standing there and then you're just hearing their thoughts, right? Just yeah. like in the book. I right? mean, and again, we will definitely talk about Dune more when Villeneuve's Dune comes out. Uh, Dune's a tough film, but David Lynch definitely managed to take a kind of fucked up book and David Lynch it. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> it's got his gummy, weird, slimy fingerprints all over it. You know what I mean? Um, 
But even uh, Twin Peaks and stuff. So you like Twin Peaks. I still fuck, man. I can. I tried. I tried. And I'll be honest. I tried to watch Twin Peaks again as a grown up because I'm like, oh, this is supposedly super cool and hip and fucking film people are supposed to get it. I'm like, nope. Two episodes in, I'm like, uh, no, I don't know. Like there's weird, like, you know, kind of like they're not musical numbers, but they're very like soft song driven scenes. And I'm like. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to, maybe I'll try it again. Give, yeah. Give me your perspective on Twin Peaks before we get specifically into Blue Velvet. Yeah. Like Twin Peaks, I just enjoy like first season more than anything, but um, just having that murder mystery. And, and it's one of those shows that are constantly trying to be replicated Sure. and hasn't, right? Like you had that Wayward Pines that M. Night Shyamalan tried to do. I think the closest one that's ever been able to emulate it um, and be good is obviously something you've never watched, but Gravity Falls on Disney Plus, which is a cartoon. Okay. My kids love it, but it's so off kilter, so like Twin Peaks, right? Like a little homage, even that it actually is amazing to watch. Like I got hooked on it too. Um, so in the in the vein of so again, uh, it's weird. I feel like we've been actually talking about. Uh, neo-noir films we've we've talked about it a couple times on the show the last couple episodes um the, you know both twin peaks the show and i would say that blue velvet have some similarities in the sense that like what you're talking about like that noir uh you know um mis- murder mystery kind of thing going on or crime like criminal element to it small town um and you know you know yeah something like you can see under- like obviously I was going to say this one was first, right? So you can see he probably, he probably enjoyed it so much that, you know, that's where like the origin of Twin Peaks did, right? Like, or, or came to be, right? Like he was like, okay, now we can bring this kind of story, you know, to the masses every Friday night or Saturday night. I'm, I'm surprised they gave the fucking guy a TV show, to be honest. And then I'm actually even more surprised that it was a hit. Like, uh, David Lynch got five Emmy nods for Twin Peaks. Like it, it was super popular for the two years. And then there was a, a prequel and then prequel film, prequel movie, prequel yeah. film, and then uh, our movie. And then, uh, there's a, a, a season sequel, three on yeah. Net- Netflix now. So, I mean, yeah. people like it. And, and I, again, David Lynch is very hard to engage with. So let, let's talk about Blue Velvet. Just give me your broad strokes on the film and we'll just kind of go back and forth. Yeah, because... like, like I think in terms of what he was able to do, like even from like everything you're put off right at the beginning, right? Like like even watching this, I don't know what happened to that Kyle <laughs> McGawkin's dad. I'm like, was he stunned by a bee? Did he have a heart attack? Like it's just the guy watering grass and then he grabs his neck and falls down right yeah and i I will say this in terms of scene like that actor better have gotten paid like a shit ton of fucking money because when he's lying on the ground and that water hose is going that dog trying to get on that water is banging on his balls (laughs) and is banging on his fucking balls hard you always pick up the weirdest shit But how how did you miss that? That dog was like jumping, and it was like fucking right on there. Because uh, right? I was I'm watching not... the like as the edit back and forth between like the dog and the water and the the hose at the 
uh, at the spigot or whatever, and then it very quickly moves into. I think it goes right from there into the the bugs underground, right? Yeah, which like the slow kinda, motion and the really eerie kind of soundscape. Well, yeah, it gives you that kind of thing that, like, even in you know perfect sub- suburbia, there is like a an underbelly underneath that's gritty and dirty, right? Sure. And Which I mean, I'm sure was kind of like, because uh, this is what, 80s, right? Yeah, 1986. Yeah, so it's probably like a little commentary on like the Reagan administration where it's supposed to be perfect, but you know, there's shady shit underneath. Yeah, and I mean, even uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character, Jeffrey Beaumont, he makes, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, he basically, he's like, you know, I'm peeling back things and I'm realizing that there's, you know, secrets underneath and that type of stuff. So that is kind of the vein that David Lynch is working with is this like very idyllic community, idyllic community uh, that's got some shady stuff going on. And I mean, I think that's also, you know, very typical in like noir style cinema, right? Like things are not always as they seem. Um, and David Lynch is a, is a surrealist, which, you know, I mean the, the kind of the definition of a surrealist is kind of like dreamlike or not quite real, um, which is all of these things. Um, yeah, I mean, don't this... be a good neighbor, Chris. Yeah, don't be a good neighbor. You fuck. You fuck. Um, that's all you need to be a best supporting actor. I mean, <sighs> just fucking say the f word like twenty fucking times. Dennis Hopper in is... every scene. In every scene, just say the f word twenty times, and it'd be like pretty, pretty. So, <laughs> I mean, it. Th- this film is interesting in the fact that like it didn't do great at the box office. It it was it cost six million to make. 8.6 million. Who knows how much it's made now with like re-releases and, you know, you know, VHS and stuff like that. But I mean, I guess it made its money back at the, at the theater, but he did get an Oscar nod for best director. And, uh, in 1986 at, at the Oscars, uh, he lost to Oliver Stone's platoon, which I mean is a fucking unbelievable film. Uh, it got golden globe nods for best screenplay and Dennis Hopper got a, a nod for best supporting actor. So like, the critics, even at the time, they, they kind of got it for the most part. I mean, I, I mean, on Siskel and Ebert, there was some discussion back and forth. Um, and audiences up until now, like it's got a. So the 93 from the critics makes sense, but it's still got an 88 percent from the audience score, which makes mm-hmm. me think that especially nowadays, like the the people rating this sucker are people who want to see it right like they're going out to watch it and and so it's not you're not getting like joe average watching blue velvet first off and then making a going on the rotten tomatoes and and writing a review you know what i mean i hear you but i i do think like this film does need to be is like seen like you should watch it like it is well done even though it is off like off-putting in terms of the how do I put it? It's just like, fuck, like the, the best way I can describe like his films is like, have you ever like slept somewhere like a hotel or like somebody else's house or whatever, right? You go to bed or someone else's hotel. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You know, you can go to, you can sleep in your own hotel, Chris, but you, um, you know, you're lying down and it kind of feels like your skin starts crawling. Like you, you feel like there's bugs on you, but there's nothing. It's just like, you just I don't know what kind of hotels like, you're staying in where you suddenly feel bugs crawling off you. On uh. <laughs> some ones we meet up on. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, like, like the whole, like, watching this film and then researching it as well. Like, I found, like, the whole 
rape scene between Isabella Rossellini and Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. Like just reading about that. You're talking like the that... like the baby one, and he's like sucking on the gas mask. That one, like that rape scene, like the most yes. paramount one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then like he's shoving the stuff, and then he's like, "Don't fucking look at me." Starts hitting her, kind of thing. Then he's like, "Daddy's coming." But that was their first scene together. Yep. In the whole film. Yep. Like meeting each other. No, they had well, and they they had had actually breakfast because she was super nervous about doing that. So they had had breakfast before shooting their scene, and and Dennis Hopper was basically like, "What? Like what? What do you what do you want to know? This is me. I'm Frank." I'm going to like, we're going to do this. Okay. Okay. From what I read, this was their first day on set and the first time they met in which, um, and he wasn't aware that she was actually fully naked under that robe. Well, there was some of the (laughs) shots where she was wearing uh, panties, but they couldn't, one of the shots, they they kept, it kept showing it. uh, So they had to, they had to take her underwear off for one of the shots. Yes, which you could tell this film was made in the early 80s because the bush on her and Kyle Mc... <laughs> <laughs> like he saw his like come right out with a straight fro. <laughs> like impressive. But, but just the, like the way I was going with this, but you're contradicting everything I'm fucking saying is just imagine <laughs> that being the, your first scene together. And then all of a sudden, like he makes her open her legs and then you're just like full-on view like okay what but what is it so because i I, so i watched a couple of the the documentaries that go along with this um there's three documentaries uh blue velvet revisited uh mysteries of love and it's a strange world the filming of blue velvet i watched mysteries of love uh they're all available including uh uh, 53 minutes of deleted scenes and alternative takes uh, on the Cri- Criterion Collections Blu-ray or whatever. Um, so I was watching interviews with Isabella Ros- Rosalini and Dennis Hopper, and uh, she was really concerned about him seeing her vagina. And Dennis Hopper just like waves. He's like, he's like, Mah, I've seen, I've seen it, I've seen it all, I've seen it all before. And she was like, it, he was so blunt that it made her feel comfortable. Like where he was like, yeah, I don't care about seeing your vagina. Like I've seen them. Let's go. Let's get the fucking scene going. You know what I mean? Uh, which I thought was a really interesting way to just like address like something you're talking about. Like you're going to open this girl's leg, women's legs and just like stare at her vagina and then yell obscenities basically into it. Like it's a goddamn, you know, uh, Matterhorn or something like that. Or not or a Matterhorn. While breathing into an oxygen mask or yeah, whatever yeah, he yeah. was breathing into. Um, but I did read that. You can tell me if this is correct or not. But David Lynch during that whole scene was constantly laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. Like constantly. yeah, he finds it hilarious, yeah. yeah. And he and he also won't would never say the word fuck. He would be so when you say that word to Dennis Hopper and Dennis Hopper would say like fuck and he'd say, yeah, when you say that word, that word. Like yeah. he, he would never say it. Um so okay, this is kind of my takeaway with with Blue Velvet is I almost felt like the film was the medium that an artist was working in. And I know that sounds like obvious, but it was like, it was almost like David Lynch was like, I want to do some stuff. I want to do some of this cinematography. I want to do this stuff with sound. Uh, I want this violent scene. And he just was like, he kind of has like a very rough storyline that he used as an excuse to do these things. Sort of like, yeah, we got a story. So I get a film and now I'm going to have this like, really surreal shot of red roses against a white fence. Um, I'm going to 
have this super, super, super violent character who's going to just, you know, have this in- insane rape scene. Like, it felt just like you went from art installation to art installation to art installation. Like, the story was like, yeah, 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 there's a story. There's a story. Yeah, don't don't worry too much about the story. Like, you got a general idea about the story, but it was like, normally cinematography and stuff like that is is in service of a story. This felt like yeah. the story was in service of the art. It was just like, it was just there so we could put a bunch of fucking shit on the screen at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm going to paraphrase. Like I couldn't, I was, I was actually looking for the quote, but I found a quote of his and it kind of encompasses everything you were saying, but I couldn't find it today when I was looking for it, but it was pretty much uh, to paraphrase is like, if you, if you want to film, just, you know, write down seven ideas place them on a storyboard and write out the scenes based on that I- each idea and then put mash it together and you have a movie. Yeah, well, and even so for Blue Velvet, so David Lynch said, he's like, so I always wanted a shot of an ear and then an ear would be like the gateway into a world. And then I always wanted to like be solving a crime and then peer at a woman through a set of blinds and from that... I would learn a mystery and with him and also him and his brothers, him and his brother, sorry, when they were children in their town, randomly, this woman was like walking down the, the street naked and it freaked them out so much. They like cried and cried and cried. And I'm like, so literally he was just like, I want to shoot this. I want to shoot this. I want to shoot this. And like you just said, he fucking did a storyboard and he's like, okay, we got a movie. Um, so, I mean, okay, so David Lynch is... He's yeah, got... like, in terms of... Sorry, I'm just going to... Yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. back to it. Yeah, like, in terms of, like, the linear story, like, I think the one person, like, character that I thought wasn't serviced the best was Laura Dern's okay. character. Because, like, if you think about it, she's the one that kind of sets Kyle McLaughlin on this little path because she's like, oh, my dad, like, my bedroom's above my dad's and I hear stuff. But I could be mixing up. Um, I could be mixing up cases. Sure. But he's the one that she's the one that brought her. And then at no point did you did it seem like they were romantically involved until the last. And then 10 all of a sudden, it's movie. like I love you. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like at no point that because she was like, no, I have a boyfriend. My boyfriend's coming over. And like, the boyfriend even mm-hmm. shows up in the at, at the at the end, and there's going to be a fight. And then like yeah. Rosalini shows up fucking naked and just like bare to the world, and the and he's whole- like, who is that? Your mom? And then there, and she's like, <laughs> like that was what like what we were saying how he puts you off like off is like when when they bring like rosalini's character to laura dern's parents house and like you need to call an ambulance and isabella's like kind of like i don't know if it's like scatterbrain or whatever but and then she was like fuck me and then stuff and then like laura dern just starts breaking down and then she just turns at her and she's like, he put his disease in me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? I'm like, is she pregnant? So, I'm like, is that what it means? So, and then, I mean, okay, listen, like, I'm not going to try and pretend that uh, I know more about fucking directing than David Lynch again. And I think that's why it, I've prefaced this whole thing with, I think David Lynch is doing an art project and the story is just there so he can like, you know, have these things, these characters do these things because so first off, like the actors often are just like, 
the reactions are fucking way off. It was sort of like the room. You know, it's like, uh, are you not going to respond to that? Like, and I have cancer. Like, sometimes the reactions of the other actors, you're like, that that you're not going to react to that like or or, or that's going to be your reaction um like you said or just like random random stuff like wait 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 you love him wait why are we at this school dance or why are we at this like house party now and you're like a couple but you still have a boyfriend like some of this might have actually oh you know when, what when like later literally the uh, two scenes before it was when he was intimate with uh isabella rosalini and they were they were doing it and then she literally turned Kyle McLaughlin to Frank where she was like if you don't hit me I don't want to fuck you yes like she needed him to like beat the shit out of her sure yeah (laughs) but I mean like I mean I mean I think like I can see the artistic like rationale that Lynch is playing with like this broken woman and so uh, just before I before I I, uh go go down this other road though like yeah like stuff's kind of like all over the place and what I was gonna say is this original originally this thing was four hours long and he was contractually obligated to make it two hours so some of this stuff might have gotten a bit chopped up on the on the editing floor um because like i mean you can't just fucking yank two hours of a film apart that's already probably making not a whole lot of sense to a whole lot of people um so you're saying that we need to release the lynch cut well, like I said, you can actually go watch the all the extra footage and stuff like that if you get the Criterion Collection on this film, right? Like, um, it's all there. Fifty some odd. What I got? Fifty some odd minutes of it. Like, yeah, which would make the fifty three minutes. Hours. Yeah, so I don't even know about the other stuff. I mean, they they said they cut out a bunch of subplots and stuff. Um, one of the things when I was getting ready for the show, I was thinking about is like, normally my kind of almost definition of like good directing is. I always say it like execution. Like you told a story, people understood the story, you executed it properly. Normally I would say if you have to watch a fucking documentary or three to be like, Oh, that's where the director was going. I'd be like, that was poorly executed. And the only reason I'm not saying like David Lynch didn't execute this properly is I don't fucking think he was trying to execute a story. I think he was trying to do exactly what he did because cinematically, like some of the like shot choices. Uh, so I've just got like a couple. So now just uh, go ahead. Go our, ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Like my quote at the beginning, like that's literally a verbatim quote he has about film, like art. Yes. It's like, I don't know why people expect it to have like, a middle beginning and end and everything makes sense when you know life itself doesn't make sense like shit happens and you can't explain it and i think i think that is his mentality in cinema and films is like this you know you're going you go one way you think you're on the right road and it's just gonna fork the other way and you're like what the fuck just happened right like even the one scene like i honestly like spoilers like but this movie's fucking <laughs> this movie's almost as old as me so fuck you and it doesn't matter <laughs> even if you spoil it it wouldn't matter you still need to go watch the fucking thing to understand what we're talking about so go ahead yeah w- when they have the scene where they're at i'm guessing it's the brothel with all the prostitutes that nobody wants um because at, they're all just ben's sitting place. On... ben's place there yeah with uh dean stockwell or yeah dean stockwell and then stockton sorry and then he's like, Frank goes, you can go see her, let her go see her kid, right? 
I honestly thought the kid was not real. Like the kid was dead and it's just like his body. Yeah. yeah. You never hear the kid and you just hear her like having like an seems to be like an argument and she's misplaced, like uh, upset with the, with what's going on. Right. Yeah. And then when in the end, when you see the kid, like, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, the kid was real. <laughs> so, I mean, that's actually a good, a good segue. Cause to one of my, one of the scenes I thought was so interesting. So first off, Dean Stockwell is Ben when he's sort of like a bit effeminate. It looks like he's got some, like, I don't know, like makeup on and a cigarette holder. So that's very bizarre. I mean, that whole scene is bizarre, but when he's singing, into the mechanics light and the mechanics light is kind of like framing his face with this like very harsh directional lighting. And then Dennis Hopper's standing beside him, like mouthing the word. It was like, you're like, what the fuck? Like, but it's one of those. And he's getting emotional. Yes. He's getting emotional. (laughs) Just like when she's doing the blue velvet song at the bar and he's just staring at her, and then he starts getting emotional there too, right? Yes, and the camera pans over and sees him crying, and then mm-hmm. slides down or whatever. But I mean, even the way they shoot, like the the street signs and stuff, they like they shoot them low, and then they kind of come up on them. Like the cinematography and the like, the the shot choices are amazing. Like, and I mean, I know we'll, yeah, I, like, we'll, we'll end the show with like, who do we recommend this to and stuff like that. And, and, and I think that people should definitely watch this um, before, just before you jump in. Uh, so the DOP had worked with him before It's uh, Frederick Elms. He worked on Eraserhead. Uh, he also worked on his film, uh, Wild at Heart. Uh, he worked on River's Edge, which Dennis Hopper's in, which is another fucked up movie. Uh, Keanu Reeves is in that too. It's bizarre. Um he worked on uh, uh, Night on Earth, The Ice Storm, Coffee and Cigarettes, which I basically, I've got a screenplay that is kind of based off of that style of shooting and stuff. Uh, and he just, uh, he did The Dead Don't Die and Hulk, uh, the Eric Bana one. Uh, and he did uh, the HBO show The Night Of, which is also uh, really good. Like, he's a really solid DOP. And like I said, he's, he's worked with Lynch on multiple occasions. And I couldn't imagine trying to be the fucking DOP with someone like David Lynch. Like, how do you translate what he wants into a shot and do it right. Like, I don't know, but they seem to work. Like he seems to kind of work with the same DOPs over a couple different films. Right. So I hear you. Now, what I was going to say in terms of shot selection, there's two shots that they, that they do that. Like I'm surprised is not mimicked a lot more, especially in the horror genre. What's that is, is when the characters get introduced in the dark where you don't see them. And all of a sudden they're just like walk. Like, Do you mean like when like Sandy like, kind of like it's dark and then she like, I think she steps into like a street light or whatever. Yeah. It like, it remind me a lot of um, close to the final scene of Halloween where, you know, like Laura Strode's in the hallway and then slowly, but surely you see Michael Myers mask like, illuminating yeah 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 yeah, but, yeah. yeah they, and the audience like, is like it's behind you like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but like and the way he did it and like it, it was perfect because you you literally think it's just a dead street right and then all of a sudden it's just like slow and they, they come up and they start talking you're like what the fuck like just they did two of them because one was laura dern's character and then one was Kyle mclaughlin where it was just like a very like just a lamppost walking to his house and it's just dark and then all of a sudden you just see him like continue walking kind of going through but those i think 
or two of like how he composed that shot and how it was framed uh, are two of my favorite shots in in this film. Um, I also I like the one. There's a, a shot of Kyle McLaughlin at the top of a of the stairs, and it's like he's totally backlit, and it's just this like black hallway, kind of like reaching up to this figure distorted by the light behind him and you're just like wow like it's a great job. even the ear like it's creep like it's i would say that this film the one thing that david lynch is very very good of and this film's a perfect example is emotion you are going to feel something it may you may not like what you feel uh what you feel may not be what david lynch wanted you to feel but you're gonna feel stuff um my quote this week is uh richard corliss from time magazine yet again a publication i'm sure you've heard of scott time magazine um <laughs> lynch in his films is that with an i or a y uh that's with a I. <laughs> okay i just want to write you <laughs> uh lynch in his film will surely be reviled but as an experiment in expanding cinema's dramatic and technical voca- vocabulary <laughs> blue velvet demands respect 100 percent there's things done in this film you're going to see them in other filmmakers work uh he was definitely pushing the boundaries of just Art, like film art for art's sake, like hands down. So I don't know, man. Uh, how did you think of casting? I think everybody did an amazing job, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it was fun to watch. And like, like you're looking at uh, like Brad Dourif, right? Like Chucky, the voice of Chucky. And you're just seeing him there and he's like just one of the henchmen. But he always plays the most fucked up characters, man. Yeah, Mississippi burning, he, like fucking everything he's in. He's a fucked up character. Now, uh, can you answer one of my questions I have about this film in terms of um, motivation? I guess you could say. Probably so during not. the <laughs> during the good neighbor scene where they're beating up Kyle McLaughlin. Do you mean in the car just, or like before or when they, they brought him out? When they brought him out into the like the mill or and whatever, they put the makeup and, on on uh, and he's like kissing him, <laughs> and then you just I, I just need help with the motivation of the you know the extra the prostitute how she pushes the chair like that must have been the most uncomfortable fucking car to film in and to do it <laughs> where she pushes the front chair and pushes Isabella Rosalina right up to the dash <laughs> gets out of the car and then decides to climb up the hood and just randomly start dancing while they're like having this fucking like supposed to be intimidating scene and then all of a sudden it just cuts to her like doing like the batman 66 dance where she's like (laughs) i'm telling you man it's just it's just a series of art installations you're just moving through and you're like there's a there's a there's a basic common thread moving through all of them um man i i yeah i agree with you i think everybody did a great job uh fucking Dennis Hopper, like he's all. So first off, Dennis Hopper is a fucking madman. He's been he well he's he did pass away uh, in 2010. Um, he was 74, um, but I mean he'd been around forever. Like he was in fucking Rebel Without a Cause with James Dean, right? And then he obviously did Easy Rider. He's the director, one of the writers. Like cult. Rolling Stone said that he was one of the worst Hollywood or California drug addicts. I can't remember if it was that or Hollywood drug addicts over a 20 year period. Like he was like the guy. He was like the drugged out alcoholic maniac of Hollywood. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I wasn't there. But, uh, you know, but he if you'd like to go back to one of our episodes, the uh, 
true romance episodes, you discussed how uh, he was he he did your favorite scene in that film, right? The, well, and uh, he's probably he probably that's probably one of the it's one of the greatest scenes in you know film. I would say like it's 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 up there, like it's in the top two hundred or something like that. Tit to tat with Christopher Walken is. So good. Like, it's so good. And he plays it so well. Um, he brings a lot of gravitas. I mean, he was in True Grit with John Wayne. Like I said, uh, he was in Rebel Without a Cause. Uh, he was in Cool Hand Luke. Obviously, Easy Rider. Apocalypse Now. Hoosers. We just talked about True Romance. Speed. Even his, like, his character in Speed is the perfect, like, opposite of Keanu Reeves. You know what I mean? If I can interject there, I believe his scene was only supposed to end that beginning. He wasn't supposed to be the villain of that movie. What, of speed? Yeah, it was supposed to be Jeff Daniels' character. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, but then uh, I think he did such an amazing job that they just, you know, <laughs> kept that. him going. Yeah, so the guy in the little part? Yeah, you're fired. You're you're fired, dude. <laughs> no, Jeff Daniels is still in the film, but... <laughs> Like you know who Jeff Daniels is. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I know who Jeff Daniels is. The part I... the partner, yeah. Yes. He he just ends up being the partner that gets shot. Right? Yes. I mean, Laura Dern does a great job, but she was well cast. I mean, she's got two Oscar nods and a win, seven Emmy nods. Uh I didn't realize it, but she was in Mask. Remember the one with Cher? She plays like mm-hmm. the 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 like girl at the the rich girl that has the horses or whatever. Uh she was also in Wild at Heart, uh Jurassic Park, I am Sam. Marriage Story, Little Women, and then, I mean, she got her Emmys for Big Little Lies. Um, so she's great. I mean, Kyle MacLachlan's great. He worked with him with on Dune. Uh, I was surprised that Dune was his first real film role. Like, that's a that's a big step from, like, like college theater and theater and then bang, like, right into, like, the lead of this huge film that then flopped. Um, do you know that? Do you know that Kyle MacLachlan uh, actually auditioned for a role in one of the greatest movies ever made, Top Gun? <laughs> Come on! It's like my CanCon. I managed to just like squeeze some Top Gun. Wait, in wait, who, who was he supposed to play? Uh, I couldn't find that out, but it just said that he had auditioned for roles in films like Top Gun. So, oh, well, that depends. He would have made an amazing Iceman. <laughs> or goose he would have been a great goose ah man but i mean uh what's his name did it does a great goose so i i don't think i'd replace yeah, goose anthony edwards anthony edwards, anthony saying, edwards he, he been, um you, do you know he's now um well it's in pre-production right now but he's uh fletch is that what you can ask me kyle mclaughlin yeah no he's not fletch he's fucking he's gonna be playing howard baskin in the joe exotic tv show they're making now really yeah. Oh, that's super cool. No, because there's someone else that I had uh, was was going to be in the new Fletch movie or whatever, but I can't seem to find that. That was in. John Hamm, isn't it? John Hamm is going to play Fletch. Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin. He's going to be in the new Fletch. He's not playing Fletch, but he's going to be in the film. Well, that's good for him. That's going to be good. I can't but wait for that. John Hamm's going to be a great Fletch. I'm just going to like head back a little bit how you're discussing uh, The Room. Mm-hmm before um and you know people's reactions aren't aren't well yeah yeah like, like they, reactions they like the like... actors reactions to each other yeah 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 you should watch the Cobb mclaughlin classic showgirls <laughs> where it goes pit for pat for weird sex scenes really it's him and uh the jesse spano yeah 
from Saved by the Bell in a pool where there's no way, like, unless he has, like, a 12-inch penis, there's no way his penis is anywhere near her. Like, she's riding his chest. So it is it is like the room where he's, like, uh, he's all up in her belly button or whatever? Yeah, it's the same with this. You're just like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, even as a child, when I first watched Showgirls, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how it's done. I'm like, I, I'm not <laughs> sure, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, anyway, so... I kind of, I'm kind of, I think that people, so first off, I would suggest watch this movie. Don't watch a bunch of documentaries and stuff first. Just watch it. See what your reaction is. Um, you're probably not going to like it just for an entertainment value, but it's definitely going to, it's going to make you feel some stuff, usually creepy shit. And you're going to be, it's violent. It's super violent, uh, super sexual violence and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, trigger warning for those types of things. Uh, I definitely think if you're a film student, you need to watch this. If you want to be a director or cinematographer, you have to watch this kind of this film and you need to break it apart and analyze it. Uh, yeah. Just don't try and watch, don't sit down and think you're going to watch like a, like a Marvel movie. It, it's not going to be that you're probably going to be fucking uncomfortable at the end of this film. Um, what about you, Scott? You got anything else? And that is our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. You can also reach us and interact with us on social media at how do you like that one or email us at how do you like that movie at gmail.com. I mean, I had tons of stuff just on like the fact that Isabella Rossellini is the daughter of like Ingrid Bergman from Casablanca and she was married to Martin Scorsese and engaged to Gary Oldman and watch it. It's weird. I actually had a ton of facts on like who people were married to. Like, did you know Dennis Hopper was married to Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas for eight days? Like, that's that's fucking weird. The kind of relationship I expect from you. Eight days? <laughs> I don't, like, I, I not got that kind like, of time. I'm in and out. <laughs> you're like, in and out. Got what I wanted. <laughs> Uh, I got the ceremony. We paid for half that one. <laughs> made some profit on that wedding. I'm out. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.